This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, and welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. This is The Late Late Show, and my name is Catherine Taylor. Tonight, my special guest is Gurdeep Singh. I'll be chatting to Gurdeep about all things CPD as we discuss his positive approach to supporting colleagues in his implementation of effective pedagogical approaches in the classroom. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome to The Late Late Show everyone, I'm Catherine and I'm speaking to you live from Buckinghamshire. Um, later on today's show I'll be talking to Mr Gurdeep Singh and I'm very excited to have on the show this evening. Gurdeep is an assistant head teacher who has made it his mission to bring positivity into teaching at a time of real challenge. Tonight we will be discussing um, Gurdeep's work with his learning and teaching working group this past year in his school. Um, in which he's been using elements of researching and reading to see to see examples from other schools and in-school feedback and discussion to identify deliberate practice and support teacher practices and de- professional development in his school. Remember, if you are listening in live and would like to join us um, either to post questions in the chat for Gurdeep to answer, or if you would like to call in and speak to us, then please download the Podbean app at uh, and visit ttradio.org and click listen live on the home page this will take you directly to the show there you can post your comments and ask questions during our conversation and once i've spoken to gurdip i'll open up to any of you who want to call in you can call in by pressing the icon at the top of the screen on your phone's app click this and i'll be able to connect you and uh, i'm hoping that gurdip will be joining us very very soon i know that he is a very very busy man so uh, hopefully he'll be with us very very shortly um it's interesting i've been uh, involved in a lot more sort of teacher training stuff recently and as as i've been involved in that it really makes you you think about your practice and break things down um, just to make sure that they are really really embedded i've got some trainees at the moment and today we've been looking at uh, their first attempt at lesson planning and it's just been so so revelatory to me to uh, to really break things down into those constituent steps that, that seem so obvious and natural um, every time. And uh, and I think Gurdip's hopefully just joining us now. I'm sorry I'm waffling on a little bit, but I'm just going to invite Gurdip into the studio um, and he can tell you some of his wisdom about how he works with his uh, colleagues and trainees um, into into his in his school. So, hi Gurdip, I see you're connected now. Can you hear me? Hi Catherine, can you hear me? I can hear you. Thank you so much for for joining us this evening. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. My apologies for being slightly late. I was trying oh. to work out how to uh, access the app, but I'm I'm good. I'm a bit tired. I had open evening last night, but yeah, I'm sure I can uh, stay up for the next hour. <laughs> oh, I hope so. Thank you very much. And please don't worry. I know that these things, when you've not done it before, it's a bit. Um, 
bit, bit different if you've not had this experience. So I really thank you for persevering and joining us on the air live tonight. Um, I just wanted to uh, invite you to set the scene for listeners, really, and let us know what a typical day or week is like for you as far as your role is concerned in your school. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've been an assistant head teacher for a while, and um, I love the role because it's a mix of uh, teaching, um, meetings, networking, and then really trying to find some time for strategic thinking. Uh, in terms of how my day and weeks are going this term, I've started a new role. I've become uh, the head of sixth form, which is very exciting. Uh, that's after a number of years of being head of lower school, so looking after the year seven. So it's quite a, a big change, as I'm sure you can imagine. Mm. Um, so my day normally starts with me walking to my office and trying to greet as many students as I can. I, I'm a huge advocate in terms of starting the day with positivity, um, saying good morning to as many different students as I can. And it's a very different vibe in the sixth form. I'm, I tend to have slightly more grown up conversations in the sixth mm. form. Uh, than in year seven um, but yeah so that's how my day tends to start um, and then as, as I've said it's um, a really a really nice mix of teaching um, networking finding time to plan ahead uh, meeting with colleagues um, it's the role that I, I love um, my specific role at the school in addition to the sixth form is I lead on learning and teaching in the school, mm -hmm. uh, which for me is the most important um, role within the school. Um, we are also a school of character, so um, I lead on that as well. And learning, teaching and character really are the same thing in many ways. Um, yeah. And I've also taken on digital learning, which I took on about five years ago. So I've had a very interesting last five years when it comes to digital learning as i'm sure you can I imagine can, i can imagine yeah definitely um yeah no i'm just going to uh leave leave our listeners with some sort of things to think about in terms of what a what a massively diverse role you've got there i mean you've got all kinds of things to be doing from day to day uh, but before we get really into it and uh, scratch the surface a little bit i'm just going to and put the news on for our listeners. So if you will just hold on the line there, Gerdy, we'll be back with you just after these messages. No Teaching is a rewarding profession, but it comes with its fair share of challenges. That's where ADAPT come in. We're not your typical trade union, but instead a modern, apolitical alternative, offering expert legal, employment and mental health support. Protection without the politics. So what makes ADAPT different? We're always apolitical and independent, specialised solely in supporting individual teachers. Our caseworkers are professionally qualified, ensuring you always get the best advice. Plus, there's 24-7 mental health support. Whether it's a simple contract check or handling serious allegations, EDAPT are here for you. Join the thousands of educators who've chosen EDAPT to protect their careers. Subscribe at edapt.org.uk today. EDAPT. Supporting school staff protecting careers this is teachers talk radio and this is teachers talk radio news school suspensions featured in the guardian always a provocative topic according to analysis reported in the newspaper since the pandemic, disadvantaged pupils in England were 3.7 times more likely to be sent home than other pupils. 
The analysis was published alongside a separate survey of teachers who said that verbal and physical abuse from pupils had increased significantly post-pandemic. School suspensions have risen overall since COVID, up 30% in 2021 to 22, compared with 2018 to 19, but have gone up more sharply amongst disadvantaged pupils, up 75% versus 4% for non-disadvantaged. The analysis was completed by Who's Losing Learning on the latest available DfE figures for 2021 to 2022. Other groups who saw significant increases were children with social workers and children with special educational needs. The analysis also looked at geographical factors. The increase in suspensions was highest in the East Midlands, up 57%, followed by the North West and North East at 34%. The survey of NASUWT members found almost 9 out of 10 said the number of pupils exhibiting physically violent and abusive behaviours has increased in the last year. Almost three quarters of those surveyed cited poor socialisation skills following COVID restrictions as a key driving factor behind the rise in poor pupil behaviour. When asked for comment, the DfE said it supports head teachers to take the action necessary to promote good behaviour. The TES reports on further concerns around recruitment of secondary teachers in England. Figures obtained by the NEU and NAHT show ministers are on course to miss recruitment targets by 48%. Numbers in all subjects except history, PE and classics are below the national recruitment target. The figures for last month, the final month before teacher training courses begin, shows there were 13,788 recruits. This is short of the target of 26,360. Paul Whiteman, NAHT General Secretary, said the shortages meant more children were being taught either by teachers with no qualifications in the subject, by teaching assistants or by supply staff. A DfE spokesperson said there were record numbers of teachers in schools, up by 27,000 since 2010. But unions point out that the number of pupils in state-funded schools had risen at almost double the rate of teaching workforce. Special educational needs has been in the spotlight after reports in the media suggest that the government has signed a contract targeting 20% cuts to the number of new education, health and care plans. According to The Observer, the cuts emerged as councils across England face huge financial deficits on SEND. This is caused by rising demand and long-standing underfunding, they say. Part of the government response has been the launch of the new Delivering Better Value in SEND, which supports councils to bring down budget deficits via early intervention and teaching children with SEND in mainstream schools. The plan's design costs £19.5 million, but it suggests a reduced growth in the number of EHCPs, targeting at least a 20% reduction. Concern has been expressed by SEND campaigners around the legality of such an approach. Ministers have denied that a specific target to reduce EHCP exists and that it was completely wrong to suggest the DfE is withdrawing support for SEND. Finally, a feature article in The Guardian focuses on research into the impact of pornography on the lives of children and young people. Abby Wright spoke to 10,000 children between 2016 and 2022. 
They were aged between 6 and 22 and came from a range of backgrounds across the UK. Wright is a theatre designer and did the research as part of the creation of two new musicals. The feature article called Too Much Too Young is available online, but broad findings suggest that children as young as six are encountering porn online, often via pop-ups, but sometimes having been introduced to it by older friends or siblings. For nine to 11 year olds, exposure to porn is frequent via platforms like YouTube. Children as young as 12 admitted to feeling like they were addicted to pornography. Teenagers feel that they learn more from pornography than sex education classes, particularly those exploring their sexuality or gender identity. Pornography also appears to confuse the issue of consent, particularly for young women who feel if it is okay in porn, then it's okay in real life. Whatever our thoughts on such a sensitive and challenging topic, it seems clear that relationships and sex education needs to catch up quickly for a lot of young people. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. Welcome back everyone, welcome back. And uh, I'm really pleased, um, as I've said earlier, to have um, Gurdip Singh with me in the studio tonight. And uh, Gurdip, we've talked a little bit about your work and your context, and now I think it'd be good to dig a little deeper. And uh, I'd like you to to just articulate for our listeners, what, what would you say makes deliberate practice an effective teaching and learning strategy? And, and why have you decided um, to have that as a focus in your working groups this year? Yes, um, absolutely. So if I just go back a little bit mm -hmm. um, and explore what I mean or what we mean as schools by deliberate practice. Um, so I'm a maths teacher and I've been teaching you know, 25 years, I think. Um, and deliberate practice really is from a school's perspective, what, what are the schools telling me that I should be including in my lessons, how I should be teaching my lessons? What are the key things that I should be doing? So for me, that's what deliberate practice is. And it's quite um, an interesting area because we then venture towards this balance between in a school uh, consistency um, and autonomy. So I will get onto that a little bit later yeah. on. But if I just provide a little bit of context, when we um, came back after the pandemic, um, what I really wanted to do as somebody who, who led on learning and teaching in the school is I wanted to refocus on the classroom. Um, we'd been out of the classroom for a year or so. And then when we returned, it looked quite different. Um, with spacing and teachers not being able to circulate so much. Um, mm -hmm. And I think really it was very, very important that we did have a little bit of a refocus on that. In addition to that, students hadn't really been in the classroom for such a long time. So as a school, we are, um, we're a school that really gives our staff and our heads of department a fair deal of autonomy. Um, as I explained to um, my staff in September when I did the inset session recently, Really, I see schools having three approaches. There's the must, the should, and the could. So, yeah. for example, if I came up with a list of 10 strategies, um, am I then saying to our staff that everybody must be doing these in their lessons? Um, am I saying that they should be doing these in their lessons? Or am I saying that they could be doing these in their lessons? And I'll get on to some of the discussions in the working group a little bit later on, but... 
um, that was one of the things that was discussed fairly regularly throughout. You know, what sort of tone were we going to put here? As I mm. said earlier on, we're a school that, you know, really does give our staff autonomy in, in many ways. The, the heads of subject can decide really how their staff deliver their subject, you know, what are the key strategies for them in their lessons. So that for me sort of sets the scene as to what we meant by deliberate yeah. practice. As a school, it was something new that we were venturing into. Um, and we felt it, it was about time that we did that. Um, our journey to where we got to towards the end of last year um, with regards to deliberate practices, we got feedback from our staff um, in terms of what was important, what they felt were important. Uh, mm -hmm. feedback from our students we then as I set up my working group that ha had just um, I think about a dozen members um, which was absolutely fantastic um, and the mix of the group was really good also I remember just over a year ago um, when I spoke at the inset day in September 2022 I spoke about how as a new member of staff whether you're new to teaching or just new to the school, you must feel that you've got something to offer. I think sometimes there's a danger um, that new members of staff come in and feel that you know they can't bring any ideas from their previous schools or trainees come in or new teachers come in and mm. they feel they need to be inducted into how the school does things rather than coming in uh, with their own ideas. So it, it was a really good mix um, within my working group, um, a mix of experiences a mix of years within the school, um, a mix of staff who had pastoral responsibilities, uh, some who had um, subject responsibilities. Um, and our first real job as a working group was to take on board the feedback from staff and try and put it into some sort of um, organised way that we could say, well, here are all the strategies to do with, for example, relationships, behaviour, delivery of subject, questioning and so yeah. on. Um, after that, then we looked at research, you know, we are a school of research, we've been down this journey for four or five years. Um, and between the group, we sort of divided up what we thought were key elements um, of research that were around at the time. Um, so things, things that have been around for a while. So for example, the guy Claxton thinking, yeah. Um, yeah. Doug, Doug Limov, um, Rosenshine, which I know has been um, in fashion recently, um, looking at cognitive load, um, Daniel Willingham, and, and so on. So really, the working group, which met um, once a fortnight, for the first term, so from about October to the end of the first term, it was about reading, it was about research, it was about digging out the ideas that seemed to be coming up um, often, um, and combining them with the feedback um, from staff. Can I just ask, because this is so interesting, I absolutely, I wish I could come and be in one of your working groups, this is just so, so interesting. When people were reading um, all of these bits and pieces, um, did you have any process of, of synthesising that down? Was anybody kind of, or were people going to the books or going to, directly to, to journal articles? How did that, how did you manage that kind of, the diet of, of what they were reading? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Firstly, Catherine, you are very welcome to be in my working group. Um, if, <laughs> if you can make that journey over for, for our lunchtime meetings. Um, so, so really it was me 
doing the management of it. Um, so our meetings would be feeding back every two weeks. Mm -hmm. So for some stuff, they were reading some of these books anyway, or had already read them. So it was really just a refresher. Others were very interested in, for example, cognitive load, um, and were looking at journals. So in those um, fortnightly meetings, we had a shared document and I just really soaked up what people were saying and just added mm -hmm. it to that document. Staff could add to that document throughout um, as well. But I think you're absolutely right. The, you know, having run working groups for um, a number of years, there's a danger that it can just be lots and lots of great ideas with no organisation or no necessarily um, an end product. Mm. Um, did so, you yeah. find that people engaged with the ideas critically? Did they kind of did you have discussions to sort of hold them up to scrutiny at all? Or, you know, how did you kind of manage perhaps if people read something that they disagreed with, for example? Well, we absolutely did discuss things that um people disagreed with. And I wouldn't say necessarily disagreed with, but in our context. Mm. Um, and I think that's the key thing with with research that's out there, of course, is it is very general and you've got to think about your own school context. Now, whether that's the type of school you are or where you are on your journey. So, yeah, it, it was a really supportive environment, but we were there to challenge each other, mm -hmm. um, including me. You, you know, I started off with an idea back in September, October of what I thought our deliberate practice would look like. And over the course of the year, it, it changed. Um, mm. So, yeah, we did challenge each other. We, we did discuss things that we disagreed with or we thought weren't important enough in our context. Um, so if I give you maybe an example of that, when we were talking about retrieval and all the different ways of doing retrieval, which has actually ended up being in our um, deliberate practice, we visited schools where really their deliberate practice was centred very much around retrieval yeah. because following um, two years of not being in school, there were huge gaps in knowledge. Um, so we were there to challenge each other. We were there to discuss things that we agreed with that we didn't necessarily agree with. And really over the course of that term, it was just let's throw as much information out there so that from January we can start really refining um, what it is that, that that we're talking about yeah no I mean and another you know thing that springs to mind as well and I I can see you've got a, a, a listener tonight who uh, probably has heard me say this before um, in a different context but this this idea of flexibility and fidelity how did you kind of negotiate what you know how people could adapt the strategies in their subject for example did you kind of how, how did you kind of manage that negotiation yeah uh, th that was a really good point of discussion um particularly in that first term if i just give you an idea of our working group so mm. i just threw it out there in september so for me i set the scene in in my september inset session i set the scene for learning and teaching in the year ahead usually the two or three years ahead um, if I'm honest. Um, and then I say, you know, I'd welcome people to be part of my working group. This is what we're going to look at. This is what our end product is going to be. Now, mm -hmm. I've got a couple of members of staff who have been in my working group consistently for the last seven or eight years. Um, I've got some who've come in when our focus was slightly more on character. And then I've got some who came in 
um, when we were really looking at deliberate practice, a whole range of different um, subjects out there. So if I give you one really specific example, mm-hmm, please. Um, we ended up with deliberate practice across three areas, which is routines and expectations, feedback and assessment and development of learners. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about routines and expectations, we had some really good discussions around should one of our routines be a silent task at the start of a lesson, for example, you know, Mm -hmm. that sort of silent starter. And it was actually a couple of our um, languages teachers who said, well, actually, we don't necessarily want to have a silent task at the start of a lesson. Other teachers, so for example, as I said, I'm maths, um, other teachers are talking about, well, I want it to be more discussion at the start or collaborative learning. Others Mm -hmm. did say, yeah, actually a silent task at the start of the lesson. So um, the flexibility comes through our language, really. And it wasn't a silent task at the start of the lesson. It was a calm, focused task at the start of a lesson. Um, So that calm, focused task could be discussion. It could be working collaboratively. It could be a sort of a group discussion. It could be a teacher Q&A. But as long as from the teacher's perspective, it was a calm and focused task. So absolutely, with um, autonomy and trust in teachers, Mm. there does need to be flexibility. As I said from the start, we are a should school rather than a must school. And I think within the should um, does allow for flexibility. I think that's really important. And and I really like the way that you've kind of clearly thought very carefully about the language. And I, I think a calm focus um, as opposed to silent, it, it really does allow for teachers to to turn the task to their to their to their group. Um, it's interesting. I said right at the start of the show, I've been um, looking up, looking with some uh, looking at lesson planning with some brand new trainees today and yeah. thinking about starters, the first starter they've ever planned ever. And, uh, you know, should we do the retrieval practice? Should we do this? Should we do that? And just the mm. discussion around what what a starter might look like, um, and it was quite a revelatory one because you see it with fresh eyes when you when you have to discuss it like that. So, I, I find that really interesting how you've kind of gone about that. Um, I wonder if you could tell us a bit more about kind of the the evolution of the group and how how long and like your sort of the goals that you set along the way to, mm. to achieving your outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. So um, for me, deliberate practice was a two-year piece of work. Mm-hmm. Um, last year was year one, and we just started year two. So for me, it was a two-year piece of work. But as I mentioned earlier on, I, you know, being absolutely honest, I've run working groups that have been lovely, and we've had lovely discussions every few weeks. But in terms of end product and impact across the school, um, it hasn't had the impact that I would have liked it to. Um, I've had working groups where it's been driven by me. Um, so I, I was really keen that there was very clear objectives. So end of the first term, reading and research and feedback is all completed. Mm-hmm. Um, term two then was when we were going to start having discussions about what we felt was important. But at the same time, um, I was keen to get out and see other schools. So um, the reading and research is fantastic, but we also are um, are outward looking and we accept that some schools are much further down this journey 
than we are. In fact, the idea of deliberate practice came the year before I was visiting a school as part of my work with regards to character. And, mm. and I was on a school, I was on an assessment for the character uh, quality mark from ACE, which is the Association for Character Education. Um, and I just saw an example of deliberate practice in classrooms. It was quite different to what we ended up with. But that's for me where firstly, it got me thinking about we really need to be doing something like this. It would benefit us to have something like this. So term two was going out to see other schools, but also just getting examples from other schools. Yeah. Um, so not necessarily a visit, but just emailing and saying, have you got something that defines your approach to learning and teaching in the classroom? And if so, can I just have it? So we had a range of different examples and mm. they combined with the reading and research it, it was them that really led us down the route of starting to form much clearer ideas um, as to what we were going to um, end up like, um, you know, in my sort of mathematical thinking. Um, and I always hold my hands up to this. I started the year thinking, right, I want five strategies and that's what we're going to be doing. And the whole school is going to be behind these five strategies. And actually, we ended up with three areas as I yeah. mentioned earlier on, routines, expectations, feedback and assessment and development of learners. So for me, there was always very clear targets. So at the end of term two is where we would have probably 75% decided what we were going to do so that when I had a session with staff, I had a CPD session with staff, I could feed back to them. I was very keen to report back to staff throughout the year so they knew exactly what was going on. Yeah. Um, because I think when I first introduced it, there were a few staff who were thinking, well, we've never really done this before. We've never really, you know, had um, an assistant head saying, right, in your lessons, you should be doing this. And I know that sounds really strange. We do have our approach to learning and teaching. We're a school of character. So numerous times I've stood in front of staff and said, you know, your main role is to develop the students in front of you. You do that through the, your subject delivery as opposed to your subject delivery is the only thing that you do. So I was very keen to be informing staff. Um, and then I was then feeding back to governors in the, in the summer term. Um, and I think this sort of timeline, which I set out at the start of the year, enabled us to, one, make the progress that I wanted, two, to keep things uh, focused, um, because you know we can have lots and lots of ideas and there's lots of overlap with deliberate practice. Um, we had a session where we came up with 50 ideas. Wow. Uh, well, because there's so many things that were important yeah. in the classroom. Yeah. And we had to, we had to prioritise. Um, I think the funniest working group session, and if anybody's listening from in my working group, you might remember this. Uh, we had a working group session, and I think this was in March, April. Um, and I had to go to a meeting. So I started the, the, the session and I said, by the time I come back in half an hour, I want you to have clearly identified three things that we're going to include. Mm -hmm. um, knowing what a challenge that would be, I put somebody in charge. And when I came back, um, they hadn't identified three things. And I think we'd actually expanded the list. <laughs> so um, that sort of gives you an idea of what can happen if yeah. you haven't got those you know, really clear points where you want to achieve something um, there is flexibility in, in that and the reading and research probably ran a little bit longer but I felt that was that was really really important mm. so I said it's part of a two-year project 
So at the end of year one, we identified what the elements of deliberate practice are. Um, I've presented that to staff in September, but of course, just because I've had an hour session with staff presenting back, that in no way means that I'm going to be seeing that in the classroom now. Yeah, yeah. So, so year so what's, two... Yeah, sorry, sorry go, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think this is, you know, that that's the that's the sticky bit, isn't it? Where you've got right. to kind of see see the uptake because I imagine that the people that came to the working group were sort of self-selecting and and uh, you know motivated for their own personal interest and and had the capacity mm. and so forth. And you know, you and I both know that there can be teachers out there who are feel perfectly fine thank you very much and uh, do not necessarily want to change things mm. and and sort of worse than that I think there can be teachers who have grown to mistrust through their previous experiences mm. and actually see this kind of intervention as really quite um, unsettling and threatening um, yeah. even though it comes with the best of intentions so I wonder how how do you anticipate that rollout? What kind of challenges do you, do you mm. think you're yeah. going to? So this is a question I've been asked um, several times and I've been visited by senior leaders from other schools. Uh, you know, how do you deal with those staff who maybe don't take um, what you want on board? Um, I always start by empathising as much mm. as I possibly can. I don't believe, you know, and, and this is my starting point, I don't believe there's any member of staff in, in our school, in, in the large majority of schools, who doesn't care. I don't believe there's any member of staff who is not interested in doing the best for their students. Yeah. And that's my sort of starting point. So then I start thinking about, you know, why is there resistance? So year two for me is about embedding. And what yeah. that's going to look like is my working group will continue but now that we've established deliberate practice, our focus is going to be, well, how can we get it out there? How can we share strategies? So, for example, when we're talking about um, hands-down questioning, um, commonly known as cold calling, um, mm-hmm. but I call it hands-down questioning, how can we put out some examples there that staff can go, oh, that's quite easy to do. So for us, it's about, does it make sense? Mm. Can you easy put it, easily put it into your practice? And then this is going to be a weekly message from me. So in our staff briefings, every week, I'm going to be getting up and saying, just a reminder of deliberate practice. Uh, one of the things that we spoke about was, this is what it looks like. Maybe for this week, just try and think and focus. And are you doing that? Um, or try to do something al- along it. So it's going to be a constant message um, throughout the year. Um, and what I've learned over the years is to really just keep on going and keep on going and keep on going. And then those members of staff or those voices really do reduce and the, mm. you, you gain their trust that actually you're not doing something that's that in two years time, you're going to say, well, actually, you know, we told you to do that two years ago. Well, we're changing it now. Um, yeah. And I commonly say, and I did this with deliberate practice in September when I shared um, our strategies, I said, this is just good teaching. Mm. You know, and as teachers, you know, it's a really hectic job. And sometimes we fall into bad habits. Um, and a little bit later on, I might talk to you about some videos that I've made linked around bad habits, but we yeah. fall into bad habits. Um, and we forget sometimes when we're in the classroom, 
what good teaching actually is. So the idea of deliberate practice is it's alerting us fairly constantly throughout the year to the things that we believe are important in our school and what good teaching looks like in our school. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's so interesting. I read a paper a little while ago, which was New Zealand or Australia. Anyway, they tried to put some mathematical reform into this, this school and all the teachers had kind of gone along with it, except for one. And what they found that she was doing was that she was trying to do all of the new things, but also she kind of wanted to carry on with some of her old practices as well because she just kind of didn't trust the new ones. And so she ended up, like, not duplicating her work, but she was tying herself in knots over it. And they finally kind of unpicked why she was so stressed and what was going on. Do you ever find that there are teachers that, that try to implement things in a really kind of... In, in in not a very wise way, shall we say, so that there ends up being it's not really coherent, and it, there might be that they're, they're they're shoehorning practices in at, at the same time as just trying to carry on as they've always carried on. Is that something you've ever come across? Yeah, absolutely, and that's why I quite like the um, the simplicity of our model of deliberate practice. I, I think sometimes as teachers. Um, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a golf analogy, if that's okay. I go for it. Um, so I've got back into golf playing with my son, who's 16. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when I started playing golf, uh, I hadn't had lessons, and I'd usually go around with people who are really quite experienced. Um, and normally my shots would be sliced. I'm a left-hander, so they'd slice off to the left. Um, and people who I'd be playing with would start talking to me and saying things like, you need to keep your head down, uh, your grip, um, your wrist, mm. uh, your feet are not right, uh, you need to follow through, keep, and so on. And I was trying to do everything. Yeah. Um, and by trying to do everything, I wasn't actually achieving anything. And if anything, and if anything, it was getting worse. So, yes, there are staff, and I think it's the trying to do everything. Yeah. As opposed to, let's just start with one idea with one yeah. strategy. So the so the simplicity of deliberate practice is we can just say focus on this. You know, focus on retrieval in your lessons. Focus on challenging your students beyond the curriculum. You know, just focus on one thing. What is it that's going to make the biggest difference to you? Now, obviously what's important here is line management, um, yeah. the culture of the school, the openness of the school. Um, you know, we constantly say to our students, try things and it's okay if you get things wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, you reflect and you improve. And I think that's a really important message in teaching as well, actually, but not trying to do too much all at the same time. Um, yeah, no, that's that's so important. And, you know, I'm just interested. And I, I know that we kind of had a, a bit of an idea of the, the way our conversation was going to go. And I'm going to talk about your positivity and you know, that, that kind of side of things in a minute. But I just wonder, the teachers who perhaps aren't going to implement everything at once, do they, how does it work in kind of helping them to define or choose the, the area that they're going to, that, that first as uh, Paul, who's just put on the chat, says one brick at a time. Who helps decide what the first brick is? So it really depends on where their support is coming from. So if we're talking about trainees and ECTs, 
um, who probably have the biggest learning curve. Obviously, they've mm. got support. Um, if it's teachers who are supported, so experienced teachers, but there are things that are challenging. So it might be there's a particularly challenging class and they're working either with their head of department or they're working with the head of year, for example. Um, that part of that discussion, you know, within our school it is you cannot do everything. What, number one, what is going to make the, you know, is it a behaviour thing? Mm. Is it is it challenging the students? Is it um, consistency? Um, is it where you're pitching work at? Is it the clarity of your teaching? Is it to do with planning? Um, so it's, it's not an easy question to answer other than to say it's done at an individual level and it yeah. has to be done at an individual level. You know, we've got appraisal systems. Um, we buddy up staff. Um, we have learning walks. So somebody can go into someone else's class and it's not, it's not a judgmental thing. Yeah, um, it's quite just routine and people... Yeah. yeah people we have had staff to... been videoed before. Mm-hmm. Um, and watch back, obviously, if they're comfortable with doing that. Um, so I think there's a range of different things. But for me, it goes back to like many of these things do. What's the culture within the school? Do yeah. you do you how do you treat your staff? Do you trust your staff? Um, and then is it OK to make mistakes, get things wrong? But is there support in place um, over a period of time? Because things don't usually just improve like that. Yeah, it's, it's tending tending the garden, isn't it? If uh, if that works as an analogy, um, Gerdie, thank you so much. That's been so interesting to hear about that process, and I, I know we could talk a lot more about it. But what I'm going to do just now is I'm just going to play our messages again, and after that, um, if we could talk a little bit about your kind of your whole outlook, because I I think that's um really fascinating and uh, I know that a lot of people out there in X land um, sort of take a lot of inspiration from you as well so let's have a couple of messages and then we'll talk about that if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Perfect. Teaching is a rewarding profession but it comes with its fair share of challenges. That's where ADAPT come in. We're not your typical trade union but instead a modern apolitical alternative offering expert legal, employment and mental health support. Protection without the politics. So what makes EDAPT different? We're always apolitical and independent, specialised solely in supporting individual teachers. Our caseworkers are professionally qualified, ensuring you always get the best advice. Plus, there's 24-7 mental health support. Whether it's a simple contract check or handling serious allegations, EDAPT are here for you. Join the thousands of educators who've chosen EDAPT to protect their careers. Subscribe at edapt.org.uk today. EDAPT. Supporting school staff. Protecting careers. Okay, just coming back there. I just, uh, before I bring Gurdip back in, and maybe Gurdip, you've got uh, something you might want to comment. I've just seen Paul has put a comment in the chat from a, a desperately struggling um, ECT who's, uh, you know, clearly got a, a very challenging situation. Um, yeah, Paul, I'm really sorry to hear about that. Uh We'll, we'll perhaps pick up on on that comment a little bit later, Gerdy. But have you, I just wonder what you would advise um, somebody who you 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 you've got obviously a philosophy of positivity. Mm. What? How do you 
but approach someone who's feeling in such a desperate situation that perhaps they're struggling with their positivity. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've just read that comment and it took me back to my first year in teaching um, and then my first year when I moved schools for the first time. Um, so I absolutely get that. Um, reading that, my first thing that I, I thought was there has to be support within the school. Um, so no one can just be allowed to um, have classes like that without an element of support. So that's the first thing I would do. The second thing from a sort of a, a pedagogy point of view um, that's worked for me is to simplify everything. I think, you know, there's there can be mixed messages, particularly when we start teaching. If you've got um, a class that you're really struggling with, um, plan fun activities. I'm not sure that's the best thing to do all the time. Um, think about your your lesson plan. Think about the seating. Absolutely, and all those all those things are important. But I think Paul put the comment, which is one brick at a time. Um, simplify everything down. Try and try and achieve productive ten minutes at the start of the lesson. What needs to happen for you to do that? But if you need to seek support, then do seek support. Coming back to the positivity side. Um, Positivity doesn't get you through everything, but in my opinion, it really does help. Um, and, and honesty and openness. Teaching really is difficult. Um, and in my experience working with new teachers and trainees, um, and, and I've thought this increasingly over the last 10 years, sometimes we place them with the expert teachers within our schools. Um, which I absolutely get why, you know, they're going to pick up lots and lots of useful practice. But what must it be like to, to be somebody who is at the start of your journey, is quite nervous, quite anxious, and then you see teachers who just walk into a classroom, don't have to raise their voice, the class immediately go quiet. Mm -hmm. um, and it's almost like it's magic. And you don't see the journey that's taken somebody to get there. Yeah. Um, so I think openness um, in terms of are there other teachers around the school who are struggling? Let's have that conversation um, because that does improve, I think, the positivity and the confidence because it's not just you. As we know, the classroom can be a very lonely place. Um, you know, it's you against 33 students um, and sometimes it feels like you're the only one who's struggling. Um, you feel like it's personal. I think those healthy conversations about you're not the only one who's struggling. It's not personal. What can we do? Um, you know, what can we do in the short term? What's the one thing that can make the biggest difference? Um, whether, as I say, it's the start of the lesson, the middle of a lesson, simplify teaching down. Teaching can be, I don't mean easy, but teaching can be very simple in the sense of you're there to tell the students to do something. Mm. Um you know, I'm not saying it's easy, but if we just simplify it to that, what needs to happen for them to listen to you and then for them to do it, except it's going to take time. You know, it, it does take time. But where I think positivity comes in, it just gives you a little bit of a shield um, at the end of the day. And, and it's not easy. You know, I've been there. I've been there myself. Um, and with some classes, it took me a year to get to anywhere nearer where I wanted them. But throughout that year, it actually really helped my practice longer mm. term. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's something that I, I think a lot about. You know, I think it's wonderful to have the, the trainees and the ECTs that, that we have. And, you know, you and I both work in very similar contexts, I think. Um, but I worked for the first 10 years, of, well, first eight, eight or so years of my career in, in a very different context. And I do think there's an argument for for cutting your teeth in a way. Um, I mean, I was lucky, I was very supported in that context. And I know I've spoken to teachers who've had terrible inductions into the profession and, and still feel the kind of the, the ripples of that now. But, you know, you do, there's, there's, there's the, you definitely need the opportunity to hone your pedagogical skills. But if you don't have the opportunity to also hone your behavior management skills, mm. um, then you you are going to come unstuck because you kind of need need both both sets of skills, don't you? Yeah, and 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 sometimes we can be a little bit too ambitious at the start of our um, careers. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we can aim for the pedagogy, we can aim for the differentiation. You know, we can aim for multi um you know maximum engagement but i think you're you're absolutely right it starts with behavior because if you cannot get a class to behave then you can't really do much else mm. um from that and i think i think that's really important i've just read um the message and yeah paul um fingers crossed um if there's three ects i wonder whether that is a supportive network that they're discussing between themselves um I remember when I started, there was, I think, five of us, and we would have those conversations, um, often on a Friday uh, with a drink. Uh, <laughs> we would have those, and they, and they did really help because it puts things in context. It's very, I think you're, you're very, very right to say that it can be a lonely profession. It's, it's one of those things we talk to people all day, mm. but often can go quite a long time without talking to another adult, um, which, you know, it, it, you can especially when you care so much and you you know perhaps have it's been a, a long-term dream of becoming a mm. teacher then you you come and you find it's actually quite tough um I mean I I can remember I, I had a class it was one of those classes where they go off to do bricklaying two days a week yeah. in college and then they came back in to do English maths and RE um and I got them on a Thursday afternoon Ferrari and did they want to do it no they did not um and it was it was I think there was only about eight of them and it was all we could do to you know watch a documentary about some cultural place in the world and then discuss it Mm. you know and it's really easy to feel that you're kind of not cut out for it Mm. but you you do find strategies that work for those young people at that time and then different classes you you know you you find other strategies but um I do, I do have some concerns when 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 ECTs and, and ITTs don't get the balance between those two kind of prongs of our kind of professional lives um sorry I've, I've started telling my own anecdotes and it's your show <laughs> go deep um tell me a bit about kind of your you know, how you work on a day-to-day basis and through your planning to, to really encourage staff to embrace that positivity um, and students as well, I guess. Do that, does that rub off to them? Yeah, um, well, I hope so. Um, 
none of them have ever complained. Not that I'm sure <laughs> that they, not that I'm sure that they would. I, I think it's just our, our language at all times. Um, you know, when I'm, as I said at the start, when I'm walking from my car to my uh, office, um, and the students know me. You know, mm. I've, I've been at school a while. I think everyone on the internet knows you. Yes, I'm not going to call it X though. I'll call it Twitter. Um, Quite right. I, I, you know, students now will say good morning to me before I say good morning mm. to them. We'll smile, a, a simple exchange, and that's all that it needs to be. Um, taking time out of my day, and I get that I've got the luxury of having a bit more time when I'm not in the classroom to just have informal conversations with staff. Um, smiles, positivity, um, positive feedback. Um, thanking people, um, you know, one of the aspects of deliberate practice that, you know, I, I wouldn't say entirely came from me, was a positive greeting at the end of every lesson. Mm. So when I think back to the challenging classes, as, as I was saying, um, it was it, there was no positivity in there at all. Um, it was really clear that I struggled with them. I didn't really enjoy the lessons. Mm. But... Um, Actually, with one of the classes a few years later on, I'd thank them at the end of the lesson. I'd say, you know, we did actually achieve some things. We did do that well. We had a really good period of time. So thank you. Um, it's easy to focus on the negatives and the challenges. But for me, it's about your language mm. um, and being as positive as you can. Because, yeah. you know, as teachers, do we really empathize with students enough? You know, in the secondary school, they'll have five different lessons. Uh, they're walking around, they might be tired. Um, and depending on the nature of the lessons, as you said, some of you know, they might not want to do some of them. But I think being positive, being positive, congratulating them, it doesn't have to be just at the end of a lesson, but you know, throughout, for me, that makes a difference. Um, and I, I hope that it does rub off on other people. Um, it rubs off on students um, and, and it rubs off on staff. Um, yeah, no. Say, I have can, lots of positive conversations. You can feel just, you know, there's a general vibe. I mean, people seem to respond so well, you know, to your to your posts on Twitter. And, uh, you know, clearly there's a lot of people who just enjoy that, that little bit of um, positivity every day. Um, we've got a few minutes left and I, I do want to invite anyone who's listening who'd like to to phone in if you'd like to uh we've got a, about five minutes so I do apologize for cutting it short but please do phone in if you want to ask Gerdie a question um I'd be more than happy to to hear from you and um you know Gerdeep or we wait to see if anybody does want to phone in. I wonder if you could, uh, if I could have your your big ideas on on education in general. What would you like to see happen or or change? Mm, my big ideas. Yes. Wow. Um, I'm I'm really interested in the way that teacher training is going. Um, you know, it's very different from my time when I started teaching. You know, I, I did a PGCE. Um, I wasn't really in the classroom until October. I was really mm. shielded from what teaching actually was. Um, so I think the new model of, you know, your trainees starting with you on the September inset day, I think is so much better. Mm. Um, yeah. I think the two-year model for, for e ECT, um, I get the advantages of it. Part of me does worry. Are we, are we putting an, an additional burden on new teachers from a sort of a, 
you know, a paperwork jumping through the hoops point of view um, at that at that early point in their career. Does, yeah, I mean, does the system trust schools enough to say, well, actually, you know, that person's working here. We, you know, we're the ones who are training them. So maybe we should decide what hoops, if you want to put it that way, they should be jumping through. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if I, sorry to interrupt, but no. I wonder if Paul, who who's just asked if he can join the conversation, if you might want to, because uh, I know he's clearly brought up ECTs today as well. No. So I'm just going to bring Paul in. If he's still there. Hi, Paul. Hello. How are you? Thanks for calling in tonight. Um, Paul, good deep, good deep, Paul. Hi, um, Paul. Hi. Paul, did you want to just to share your thoughts on the, the uh, issues about that we've just been discussing this evening? Yeah, yeah. My um, my friend's got a meeting with a, the head teacher tomorrow. I just thought three ECTs having the same mentor is just a little bit overloaded really so maybe a situation over there where she's just lacking a little bit of support she doesn't currently have a ta in that situation either um and i remember me and me and catherine we were speaking weren't we um before school started again because i was feeling the, the same way because i i've got a class similar to to my friend to be fair same number similar sort of number of uh, children on EHCPs, all that sort you're, of you're stuff. You're primary, and, aren't you, Paul? Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. And the, um, I, I've been really lucky, actually. I'm still still not, you know, fully convinced about this year, like I was sort of saying before uh, or at the start of September. But thankfully for me, in some ways, we're a small school and the head teacher. Um, who's only been a head teacher there for two years now. Um, she was acting and she was deputy head before that. She was year six teacher as well. So the way she, that she looks after us is because she was us, if you like. It's not like mm. she's come from a different school to to the one that we're at now. She actually has seen other head teachers be there and she's seen lots of different ways of working. And then she's picked out maybe the best ones that she knows works because that's obviously what she's been doing. And But she talks to us all the time. It's It's more of a team than a dictatorship, if you like, which is... Mm is is massive it's huge but i can imagine in in a school where it's maybe larger and there's less support and maybe less time to sort of speak to your mentor or your head teacher or whatever then that could be really difficult especially for an ect so so paul do you think that um you know we we have swung, as Gurdip suggested, we've swung so far away from shielding early career teachers and, and, and trainees to kind of just throwing them in to sink or swim. Do you think this pendulum swung too far? It, yeah, in, in some ways, yeah, because I think I, the way I've sort of found it is that, oh, well, if they're good enough, they'll survive. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. And, oh, if they don't make it, oh, they're a bit soft. Mm. And that that actually, you, you're doing people a, a disservice because we could have so many more inspirational and bright teachers if they just got a little bit of a 
a little bit of a foot up, a little bit of a little bit of support just at the right times. You know, it shouldn't be like you have to go through. It shouldn't have to go. You go through like seal army seal training to show that you're worthy of being a teacher. No, you know, thank and you, I think Paul. Sometimes, sometimes it seems to be like that. So yeah, no, thank you so much. We are we are pretty much out of time. I'm just gonna um say goodbye to you, Paul. Thank you very much for calling in again tonight. No I'm gonna give the last word to Gurdip this evening before I play our final messages. Gurdip, um, you know, what do you? How would you? How do you respond to Paul's kind of comments there? Yeah, I think um, one of my main things, and and it is different being um, in a, a small primary to a secondary, is there should be more support than just the mentor. And sometimes I think um, th there's a feeling that it's everything needs to come from the mentor. I absolutely agree with you know just a foot up, and I, I don't like this idea of sink or swim. You know, you've mm. now qualified, right? Here you go. Here's a class. You're going to struggle with them. Well, that's just natural. Hopefully, you'll make it out of the two years. I do really wonder if some of the approach of the ECT framework can move away from actually additional paperwork, additional burden to more real support and more um, honesty and, and simplifying teaching down into what it needs to be at the very start. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it, as again, it comes back to what we've been talking about this evening, which is, you know, don't try and do it all at once. Pick something, work on that, get get competent, get confident as well with that. And then, then add the next thing. I think we do kind of expect the finished article. And I think people put pressure on themselves as well, perhaps by, um, you know, seeing those expert teachers and then feeling inadequate when actually it's like anything it takes time to to build it up doesn't it um brilliant thank you Gerdit we are out of time I really appreciate your call tonight and uh, I know that a lot of people will download this after the fact and uh, and listen again so thank you so much for joining us on the show tonight and I'll see you soon it's been an absolute pleasure Thank you. Take care. Um, this is the end of the show. It brings us to the end of the late, late show tonight. My, but, oh, excuse me. Many thanks to today's special guest, Gurdeep Singh, and to all of you who have joined us live and to everyone who's listening on the podcast. Please remember there are Teachers Talk radio shows all week and many more to download on the Podbean app. Join me again fortnightly at the same time for more Teachers Talk radio. Bye for now. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.